to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 22nd of July 2012, entitled Signs, Signals, Times and Places, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 4. Here's Brother Lou Guadano. I really do thank the Lord. Uh, I continue to thank the Lord for what He's done in my life, and I never, I never really anticipated uh, all of this, I, uh, I certainly didn't uh, intend on preaching. That would be the last thing that I would have ever thought. Um, they, they couldn't get me to stand up in school and recite a poem. I mean, I couldn't do it. I would rather uh, have my dad beat the living tar out of me <laughs> and not say the, say the poem. Um, and uh, the Lord has just uh, worked mightily in my life. Uh, I... I Surrendered to the Lord, and, and really, when the things began to change, um, of course, I got right with the Lord, but then I, I told the Lord that I wasn't going to say no to whatever he wanted me to do every day, um, no matter what he said, uh, whether it was if the preacher asked me to, uh, you know, uh, clean something up, do something, whatever it was, I just wasn't going to say no, and, and it seemed like one thing after another thing, and and and. Things just started coming at me, and I didn't know what to do at first, but as I got through there, I seen that the Lord was working, and with every responsibility, there was a new blessing, and, and uh, sometimes we're afraid that if the Lord, you know, if we give our life to the Lord, He's going to put us in a place where it's going to be stressful, it's going to be too much that we can handle, and it's going to be a lot of work, and not a lot of fun. And uh, I can proclaim that that's not the case. We've got, a, we've got a good God. He knows us. He loves us. He knows what's best for us. He knows uh, what uh, will put a smile on our face. And he wants to give us joy. Uh, I, I was able to surrender a little easier when I understood a little bit more about God, that God wants to, you know, he, he, we talked about in the Sunday school hour, he's not uh, denying us something uh, just to make our life miserable. He wants the best for us. And so uh, it was a whole lot easier to give my life, my children, to the Lord uh, when I understood a little bit more about the Lord. But uh, I'm going to sing a song. Uh, I've not sung this song in a long time, but uh, really, when you look at me, you see the same person, and uh, they would say the same thing back home. I haven't changed much, never had long hair. You know, I'm the same person, but... The old man is dead, and uh, God has given me much more uh, as I crucify that flesh. And uh, so that's what this song is about. Now and then, an old friend of mine I have not seen for some time will stop by and ask me where you been? What's on your mind? Wondering why I'm not out drinking, painting this old town red. I tell him I'm serving Jesus, and the old man is dead. And the man you see before you may look a lot the same. He may wear the same clothes and have the same old name. 
But you're looking on the outside If you could see inside instead You would see a brand new man For the old man is dead I used to live such a wicked life I had no hope inside I was lost in the darkness Searching for the light Then one night in a little church After hearing what the preacher said I gave my life to Jesus And the old man is dead And the man you see before you May look a lot the same He may wear the same clothes and have the same old name But you're looking on the outside If you could see inside instead You'd see a brand new man For the old man is dead Amen. That's a fact. And uh, the Lord has done mighty things in my life. Um, I want to be a help to you tonight again, and I appreciate uh, really just uh, the real good response we had this morning and uh, your participation, and uh, that's a blessing. And uh, tonight I want to try to, you know, we talked this morning about uh, Satan's masterpiece and his influence in our life, and we talked about stretching out again this morning. And uh, the Christian's life is like that, where you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to get involved or not get involved. It's a life of choices. There's no middle ground. Either we help people or we don't. Either you're a Christian and you live the life of a Christian or you don't. There's no middle ground. Um, we like to try to you know, find this middle ground and have this easy way to go, if you will. It's comfort zone, Christianity. We've got a cafe called Comfort Zone back home. And uh, I think sometimes we're looking for the comfort zone Christianity, but there really isn't a comfort zone. There's, the, there's blessing, the life of blessing, or cursing. That's what uh, Moses always set before the people, blessing or cursing. And uh, it's the same way today. And uh, we need to be able to recognize what is going on around us. We talked a little bit about that in the Sunday school hour, talking about Satan's masterpiece and recognizing uh, his work in our life. But there's things that are happening all around us. We talked about uh, this morning in the 11 o'clock hour, we talked about seeing somebody, looking in their eyes and seeing what's going on. And we've got to pay attention to what is going on around us. If we're going to impact people, if we're going to serve people, if we're going to love people, we need to pay attention. And so tonight I want to preach a message entitled Signs, Signals, Times, and Places. Signs, Signals, 
times and places. And if you take your Bible, we're going to lay a little bit of a foundation this uh, evening. For, uh, 1 Kings, 1 Kings 12, and we'll look in verse 4. We're going to go over about three or four or five different uh, characters in the Bible. And uh, again, try to lay a little bit of a foundation of what we're talking. 1 Kings 12, verse 4. Many of you know what uh, is going on here. If you're familiar with uh, the story, or uh, you have King David, you have King Solomon. There's uh, wonderful kingdoms, and then something happens. It seems uh, Solomon starts going away from the Lord. As as a result of that, judgment is going to come, and he's going to pay a price. And he's going to pay a price in the next generation. Certainly, he paid a price, and he woke up and said, "Life is vanity." And uh, he had no fulfillment, not serving the Lord and, and having that life to the fullest, even though he had everything. But now Rehoboam is coming on the scene. And uh, notice what happens here, uh, chapter 12, and in verse 4, they're talking to the, the king, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. They, he, they're saying, thy father made our yoke grievous. And so here they're saying, we had a tough time with your dad. Listen, you know, listen to us. Let me explain to you how the people feel. Let me explain to you what's going on. And, and Rehoboam is kind of listening, but he's not listening, if you understand what I'm saying. He's hearing the words, but it's not sinking deep. It's not causing him to make a proper decision. Uh, and then in verse 8, but he forsook the council, talking about Rehoboam, of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him. And so the young men tell him, you know, just be hard on them. The old men say, no, that's not the way you're going to have success. And he gets the information, and he's going to make a decision. But if he were to open his eyes, he lived in that area, he lived in that culture, he, you know, he, he knew so many things about the kingdom, but he failed to see the sign of the time, if you will. He failed to see what was going on in the life of his own people. And, and we see uh, the result of it. Uh, basically, without uh, reading all the verses, the people revolt. Jeroboam rises up to, to your tents, O Israel. What do we have to do with, with, uh, in David and in Judah? And ten tribes, leave them, because he speaks roughly. To them, he says, My father chastised you with whips, I'm going to chastise you with scorpions. And what is the result? Revolt. And he failed to see the sign. He failed to see the time. He failed to see what was going on right in his own place. Turn to Daniel chapter 4, the book of Daniel chapter 4. We'll look at another uh, situation, if you will, another warning uh, here in, in Daniel chapter 4. We have uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was uh, a great king. He was uh, pictured as the head of gold. Babylon was a, a tremendous uh, kingdom, if you will. They, Babylon, that land of Iraq today, that was one of the, the greatest kingdoms ever to, to exist. 
probably outside of, of Solomon and his kingdom. But here, Nebuchadnezzar is lifted up in pride and, and all the wickedness that he does to the Jews and to, to Daniel and all of that. And it's, it amazes me how Daniel still cares for him, loves him, uh, tries to help him. Uh, he really has a Christian attitude towards him. Uh, but in 4.4, the Bible says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was, was at rest in mine house and, and flourished in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed, and the visions of my head troubled me. So he has this dream. And you know the story if you know your Bible. He goes and he's trying to find out the interpretation. Daniel is going to tell him the interpretation. And basically the interpretation is king. Uh, you know, you're lifted up in pride. You give no honor to the God of heaven. And you're going to pay a price if you don't listen to me. And Daniel gives him good advice. Daniel says, give to the poor. He says, take care of the weak. And he says that it may be uh, good for thee, O king, and that God would kind of uh, not do what he's planning on doing to you. And he's giving you this dream so that you have opportunity to go a different way. But you know what happens? Twelve months go by. And sometimes that seems what, you know, when things are going okay, and a month goes by, and a few months go by, and we live the way we do, and judgment doesn't come, we kind of do what we're doing, and, and Nebuchadnezzar was the same way, and he didn't heed the warning. And then all of a sudden, God says, judgment's coming, and he deals with them. And you know the story. You know, he gets the hair as an eagle's wing and all of that, and he goes out, and he loses his mind. And uh, he has to pay a price for not listening to the warning. We're talking about signs, signals, times, and places tonight. And we're talking about paying attention to the signs and the signals. And uh, there's certain times in our life that are so very important, certain places that God wants us to be or certain places that we're in that God has put us in for a reason. And uh, he's got us there for a reason. He's got you here tonight for a reason. Tomorrow, you're going to be somewhere for a reason. God, in his sovereignty, knows where you're going to be, what you're going to do. He's got a plan for your life. The question is, will you choose blessing? Will you choose cursing? Will you have your eyes open to see what's going on around you in, in, the, in, in the people and in uh, the life of, of your friends and relatives and neighbors? Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Let's go over there. Again, just laying a bit of a foundation. And I hope you don't look in, uh, don't mind looking uh, to a few verses in your Bible. We're going to see another uh, great man. This is more of a positive example of what to do, understanding uh, maybe uh, what the will of God would be and, and what we should have in our life. But uh, Genesis chapter 12, we have Abram, of course, uh, the father of the Jews, and uh, in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And it, it astounds me that here he is way far away. God doesn't tell him where he's going, what he's supposed to do, but we see the attitude of this great man of God. He had faith, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And uh, when God said, Go, he just said, yes, Lord. In verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. I mean, just, he said, go, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to go. It doesn't matter the place, 
Doesn't matter the time. People worry so much about that. What if, you know, young people, what if God sends me to Africa and I'm going to have to eat grubs, you know, and God makes me a missionary. And we're so worried about giving God our life because he's going to take us to the place where we don't want to go, Alaska, where it's, you know, sub-zero. But God is a good God. He, he wants the best for us. He knows where you will be the best. He knows where he can use you. And he wants you to live the abundant Christian life. God is not uh, the mean ogre in the sky. I used to worry as a young person saved and raised up in church sometimes about even my salvation. And I thought, did I repent enough? Did I, did I do this just right? Did I do that? And, and I, there's something in, the, in, in my mind that said that you know, one day I'm going to stand before God and all of a sudden it, it's going to be, well, you didn't read the fine print, you know? You were supposed to do this. And, uh, but God's not that kind of God that's going to pull the rug out from under you at the last minute and go, ha, ha, we got you. That's not our God. God wants, you know, he is not willing that any should perish. You know, he, he wants you to know we serve a great God. If we would just trust him with our life, if we would just yield to him, if we would be like Abram and not ask 50 million questions. I was joking with the Germans and my mother's uh, from German descent. And she's a, from 100% German descent. And I says, and, the, and, and I was talking to Michael, and he said, I've got, I've got my days planned out. We're just going to be over here, and for this day, we're going to be there, we're going to be this. And, and those Germans are like that. You know, the trains run, the doors open, and they go on right to the, you can set your watch. And those people live that way, you know? And I know how that is. I mean, they say in my mind, they say, you're German. They always tell me, you're German. You look Italian, but you're German. But I ask sometimes too many questions. God wants you to obey. He says, just obey. We talked about this morning. Forget the complexity. Just obey. Uh, the Bible says, add to your faith virtue. So we're supposed to trust God, but then just by virtue, we're supposed to do what's right for right's sake. Maybe that we don't even know why. Now the Bible says, add to your virtue knowledge. And we're supposed to know at some point. We're supposed to study, but... We're supposed to be like little children. When God says, go to this place that we don't know, we're supposed to go. And so we're supposed to understand the signs. We're supposed to watch for the signals, understand the, the need of the hour, and go to the place uh, that, that we're supposed to go to, where God sends us. Turn to Esther, another great example in the book of Esther. Esther, if I can find it. First, uh, Second Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, there we go. Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Great Queen Esther and uh, all that she was, the great attitude that she had. But even her, she waffled a little bit. She was worried about the situation. And you would be too if you were over there in a foreign land with the Persians and seeing what happened to those people that defied the king and all of that. But you know the story. Uh, here is her cousin, uh, Mordecai, and he commanded to answer in verse 13, 413. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He's saying, Esther, they're going to destroy the Jews, but if you zip your lips, don't think that you're going to save yourself. And don't think you're going to save your father's house. In verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, 
Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Again, blessing or cursing. You've got to trust Esther by faith. There's no guarantee, but I'm telling you, God's big enough. He will, he'll, he'll save his people. But God puts you in this place for this time. And if you choose to say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, you will be the one that's used to be the blessing. And I'm so thankful when I say, Lord, do whatever you want me to do. If I need to stammer, if I need to sing a song and totally mess it up, that's like a, a musician's worst nightmare, to stand up and sing and, and not do a good job or to preach and fall over your words or say something foolish. But I say, Lord, if, if that's what it takes to be a blessing to somebody, to see somebody saved, whatever you want, Lord. And when, when I've done that, I've seen the Lord work in mighty ways. Would to God I would do it all the time. So many times I'm stubborn. So many times fear gets the better of me, and I say, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to talk to that person or say that or open my mouth. And I'm just as human as anyone else. We're all the same in this. But the challenge, signs, signals, times, and places, Esther was in that place for a specific purpose at a specific time. And she also recognized what was going on. She, she is a great example of what to do and what to be. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. We'll look at a negative example. 2 Samuel chapter 15. This is about King David. And, of course, David was a great man of God, loved the Lord. The Lord talks so much uh, good about King David, and he certainly was a great man. But here he's with his son, Absalom, and, and uh, you may be familiar with this story. The Bible says in 15.1, 2 Samuel, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Oh, what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. He plays on that. People want to be heard, and he plays on that. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. You, you know, I'm accessible. I'm here. You can't get to King David. But if I was there, then I would hear your, your problems, is what he's saying. And it was so that when any man came to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand, he took him and kissed him. Oh, oh, don't, don't bow down to me. Oh, oh, stand up, you know. And he, he, he gives him a, a nice, you know, kiss and says, you know, oh, oh, I'm not worthy of that. And he's playing to these people. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This didn't happen overnight. This was not all of a sudden Absalom came home and he was there and boom, it happened. But what happened was David got disconnected from what was going on. David didn't see the warning signs. He may have chosen not to worry about him. He may have seen things and said, well, that's my son. He would never, 
He would never turn his back on me. He would never do that to me. So many times we see things and we see it, it's right in front of our face, but we, we ignore the warning signs. We, we seem to go right on by, and for whatever reason, we don't deal with it. We think it's going to be okay, or we think it's not what I think it is. Many times it is what you think it is. Sometimes with our children, with, with uh, other things you know, that we're involved in, we see something, and, and we don't want to think uh, bad of somebody. And we're not to... Think bad of somebody, but sometimes with our children, we need to pay attention that their flesh like any of us and that trouble could be happening in their life. We need to pay attention. Sometimes they're crying out for help. Sometimes they're, 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 they're wanting to be heard. Sometimes, you know, they'll come in at, at, at a time and in the night and, and say something and we don't seem to pay attention to it. We seem to miss the warning signals. Uh, I was, um, over in Idaho a few years back, and we went to this exhibit. Uh, I think I was showing Michael and, and Lisa some of the pictures in Idaho about uh, the Titanic, and, and we, we viewed this exhibit, and you think, oh, what a tragedy that happened with the Titanic. But um, just recently, uh, I, was, I was over in Ireland and, and uh, considering those things, and of course, uh, they just had a bunch of boats go out over there just, you know, in April, a hundred years since that tragedy happened. And uh, you realize what took place on that fateful night, and you realize what a shame it was. And here you have the beautiful Titanic, RMS Titanic. I mean, it was invincible. It was beautiful. You read about that ship, and you see that, I mean, the... I, I can't imagine. I, I've gone on naval ships and I've seen, you know, the, 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 the metal toilets that they have. You ever see those stainless toilets that they have? They said in the second class on the, on the Titanic, they had porcelain toilets. I can't imagine that on a ship. But first class, they said they had marble toilets. Can you imagine? We're talking about the toilets, let alone all the grand staircase and all the things. That ship must have been... Uh, something to see. Even the artifacts that I've viewed are amazing. And they, were, they, they did their sea trials, and, and uh, you know, she, she was so beautiful. She sat there, and, and of course, she, she launched from Southampton, and uh, it, was, it was in April that, that she left. She stopped over to France uh, and then made one call over at the bottom of Ireland. And I've stood right on the spot where uh, the Titanic was last seen, right there. And, well, now it's Cove, Ireland, uh, spelled C-O-B-H. Figure that out uh, with, that, with that Gaelic. But it was Queenstown, and she called there and took on passengers. And, and uh, I think there was 2,200 passengers on that ship, 2,200 plus. A thousand of them were immigrants from Great Britain and Ireland, and, and they were going, many wealthy people, business people, wealthiest man in America was on that ship, they say, and uh, Jacobs. And uh, they were on that ship. Another guy that, that took passage on that ship that I was particularly interested in is a Baptist preacher named John Harper. John Harper got on there with his daughter. And uh, what a blessing that man was. He pastored two churches up in Scotland. 
and he was going over to, to preach in the United States. And Titanic left out. And Titanic was fast. It was a sleek ship. I mean, I think the fastest ship was running about 26 knots. And Titanic was right up there for that size. That was amazing. She started off across, you know, and, and you know the story. What happens? They're, they're heading in. But all of a sudden, something happens. Warning signs, signals. All of a sudden, they, the, you know, Jack Phillips, he's, he's, he's uh, sitting at his, his uh, what do you call it, the wireless. He's tapping away on the wireless. Uh, Titanic had an amazing wireless system, one of the longest range wireless systems you know, ever uh, at that time, sending out messages for the crew, all these little messages, sending them back over to England and other places, letting them know what's going on. And, and a ship uh, called in and, and said, ice, ice is you know, 20 miles north, but he's busy. Jack Phillips, he's, 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 you know, going to town on his wireless. Uh, the California, which would take, uh, become such a big part and so much skepticism later. Uh, California gets on the wireless and, and taps to them. Ice, ice is dead ahead. Iceberg sighted. And Jack Phillips goes, shut up, shut up. I mean, because they must have blasted right in his ear and, and cut his reception off. But, but, but he's telling them, Get off. I'm, I'm busy. Can't you see? These are important people. I mean, can you imagine sitting there as that young man typing? I mean, you've got the wealthiest people in the world telling you, get this message out right away. And they're on your back, and he's telling them, be quiet. Uh, a message does come through, and, and, and it goes in, into the, the captain's pocket, and he gives it to the first mate, and uh, so on it goes. It gets posted over in the bridge, and six different warning signs come to Titanic all of them unheeded, all of them unheeded. And then the inevitable happens. Here comes the iceberg out of the blackness. Up in the crow's nest, it's sighted. They didn't even have binoculars. There was a half a dozen pairs on board, but with everything that happened, they didn't have them. They, they seen the iceberg. It's called down to the bridge. The officer on deck in a panic says, uh, hard as starboard. And, and then all reverse engines, and then he, he tries to swing the ship this way and then come back around so that he misses the, the iceberg. But you know what happens? Smash! Along the side of uh, RMS Titanic, a 300-foot uh, ripple effect down busting rivets, and five of the 16 watertight compartments are breached, and Titanic is in bad trouble. And uh, all of a sudden, the the... the the captain's in his cabin. He feels the shutter. Uh, the, the, the ship builder, he was on board, Andrews. They come up. They start to assess the damage. What are we to do? The order is given to Jack Phillips to start sending out messages. He starts typing out. He starts typing out to the sister ships, and other ships are coming back to him. Frankfurt, Olympic. Frankfurt says, are you steaming to meet us? They cannot grasp. The gravity of the situation. Uh, uh, Olympic is saying, give us more information. We need more information. He's trying to say, we're in desperate need. We need you now. Come now. And they're asking all these questions. And I ask myself so many times when I've been in a situation that is dire, that is so, so pivotal. And, and we sometimes, 
instead of acting, instead of jumping in and, and helping, we're asking way too many questions. We, we, we don't see the gravity of the situation. We had a situation just a couple years ago where a man came and he was talking to one of the preachers that I know and uh, he was dealing with him. And then the next thing you know, that guy goes out in the parking lot and blows his brains out right in the church parking lot. And you say, how does that happen? And it happens because we don't see the warning signs. Sometimes it's, there's nothing we can do, but so many times there's warning signs that we can see if we would just open our eyes. And we need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom to understand the warning signs. Uh, Carpathia hears the message. Carpathia decides that old, that old captain on Carpathia. Carpathia is a much older ship, but yet Carpathia, their captain says, we're going. They're 60 miles away from Titanic, but they say, go. Go. We need to go. He's never been in a, in a, a distress call situation. He's never been in a rescue. But yet he says, get the engines going, boys. Get things moving. And they start rumbling up Carpathia. Carpathia, they said, he, he, he told them to take all of the, the uh, boilers, the heat and everything, heating the rooms and all of that. They said, put it to the engines and get this thing moving. Uh, people are waking up in the middle of the night. Of course, the iceberg was 1140s is when Titanic struck. And here Carpathia is rumbling out in the middle of the night. Midnight, can you imagine being on an ocean liner in the middle of the night? The Titanic, you know, the, the, the ship, the Carpathia is rumbling, waking up cold, freezing. People saying, what's going on? Captain, what are you doing? The, the mates are saying, you can't do this. You can't head into the waters. We've got all these passengers on board. There's great risk. But yet that old captain says, we're going in to help. We can help, and we're going to do it. I thank God that so many times in, in, in our church and in our situation where I've seen people warn my dad and say, you can't do what you're doing. You can't take that risk. You can't launch out. We're talking about stretching out this, this morning. But my dad has said, go, we're going, we're going despite the risk. There's always risk. We're at risk even where we sit. But here we can help somebody. And, and Carpathia heads out. Back on the Titanic, people are scurrying around. They tell them to get up on the deck and, and get your life preservers. And, 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 and most of the crew even don't even realize what is taking place that in just a couple of hours, Titanic will be at the bottom of the sea. John Harper comes out. He's got his daughter there. He starts, you know, talking to people. The band starts to play, and you know you, the song, Nearer My God to Thee, they're playing. Orchestra's playing, Nearer My God to Thee. John Harper, he's got his daughter there, and he puts her to the, to the side, and he starts preaching like you would on the street says he was talking from the book of Acts, and people there witnessed him saying that. His, his text was, you know, he had that Scottish role. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he's preaching on the deck of the ship. Could you imagine in that tragedy? But there's that preacher of God standing there to give those people an opportunity to be saved. Off in the distance, there's a boat, California, only 10 miles out, 10 miles out, uh, Titanic starts shooting their rockets and their flares, and, and, and they're, they're saying, help, help us. They're in a position where they can help. The radio oper operator, after the, the shut up, shut up s s sequence that happened, 
He was getting ready to go off duty. He stood, sat there for 20 minutes trying to get through Titanic. He didn't hear anything from Titanic. He signed off before the accident, I think at 11.20. So he's in bed. But yet the officers on deck say, oh, we see some rockets. They report to the captain out of the California, and they say, we see rockets. And he starts asking them what color they are. And he's asking all these questions. And they choose to ignore it, thinking it's fireworks off the deck of the ship of Titanic. And we're talking tonight about misplaced signals right in front of their eyes, but yet they can't see, they can't assimilate the information. I've seen it so many times with parents in the teen group where things are going on in their life, but they don't see what's in front of them. Something's happening with a guy at work, but they don't, we don't see what's happening. I've been there myself, and I say, Lord, help me understand. You know, we pass judgment on California. We say, why in the world would they be so stupid as to not recognize that they could have saved, you know, over a thousand people if they would have just got moving? But then we're guilty of it ourselves so many times. We, we fail to see the signals. So California, that captain goes to sleep. And then Carpathia, thank God, is, is rumbling in. Of course, on, the, on the, the deck of the ship, it's getting much later. Titanic at this time is, is listing quite badly. They know she's going to go under. And uh, they set out their last messages uh, around uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and Jack Phillips admirably stayed at his post, even after the cap- captain told him to abandon that post. He stayed there till the water was rushing in. And, and he, he ended up leaving out there. He ended up dying in the water. But the inevitable happened, and Titanic sank on that night. They didn't load the boats properly. There was only 20 boats aboard, only enough for half the passengers, but not even half of those passengers got off because of the foolishness and the misunderstood times and signals that were going on on the ship. Those people perished in that water. They said John Harper, there was a guy that lived to tell about it, in the water, they said that those people only lasted for literally minutes before dying of hypothermia. And, and, and I can't imagine the scene that night. We're talking about meditating on things this morning. That's an awful sight to meditate on when you really think of the gra- graphic detail of what happened on that night and being in those lifeboats and realizing what was happening and hearing the shrieks and hearing the, what was taking place and hearing that boat crack in half and all of the horror that was happening that night. Out of all the ships that left Titanic, one returned to help the people in the water because they were afraid and fear dominated their life. John Harper, we began to talk about him. He's in the water, and there's a man that's holding on to a board, and John Harper is said to have come up on a wave, and here he is freezing the water, but his concern is for the person on that board, and he says, man, are you saved? And the man says, no, I'm not. He's in the water. And the, and the story says that all of a sudden, John Harper was swept off into the blackness. And then it seemed like almost a moment later, all of a sudden he comes rolling in on another wave and the man could see him again. And and he said, man, are you saved? And he says, no, I'm not saved. And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that man on that board right there asked the Lord to save him. He lived to tell about it. He was one of the ones that was picked up by the boats. He said, I was there. I know what happened. I am John Harper's last convert. And that man 
to his dying breath was witnessing in that water and had a heart to save those people. Like him, Carpathia had a heart to save those people. They came rushing in. They, they came in as fast as they could make it. They didn't get there till 4 a.m. 2.20, Titanic sank. Most of the people in that, you know, even on the boats were getting cold and hypothermia was setting in. But they were able to save those people in the water. If Carpathia didn't move, it would have been even a greater tragedy. I can't imagine what would have happened if Carpathia wasn't there. And the challenge to you tonight is remember, remember to pay attention to the signs and the signals. Keep your eyes open to what's going on around you. And don't be so afraid to risk sometimes. Sometimes we're worried about our family and we're worried about things. And, and, and it's right to be concerned about it, but not to the point that we're going to save our skin, save our family, save our you know, finances, save all of this at the expense of when we could help somebody, when we could make a difference. If you don't go, all will be lost. Carpathia didn't go, all would have been lost. Let's bow our head and close our eyes tonight. Dear Lord, I've done the best I know how, Lord, to just challenge these folks. And Lord, uh, I appreciate, Lord, their attention. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. It seems that it's been kind of a common theme today that we just need to pay attention to what's going on around us. Lord, we need to look in people's eyes. We need to see if they're hurting. Lord, we need to be like John Harper and have a heart that would be willing to make an impact on someone's life. And Lord, plead with them. Lord, you've said if we go weeping, bearing precious seed, we'll doubtless come again rejoicing. And Lord, I pray that we take you up on that. Help us, Lord, to understand the signs and the signals. Help us not to be afraid of the places. Help us, Lord, to be like Abram and jump at any time. Lord, it's hard sometimes. And Lord, we see so many times we rush and, and it's a false alarm. But Lord, help us to understand the difference between the two. Give us wisdom beyond our means. Lord, we need help. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless these dear people. Help them in their lives. Help them in their families. Lord, help them in this church. And Lord, help them to be what you want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen.